everyone. Welcome to Millennium Live. My name is Katie Perry, and today I am joined by Vanki Shankar, who is the Coleman Chair Professor in Marketing and the Director of Research at the Center for Retailing Studies at Texas A&M University. Thank you so much for being here today, Vanki. Thank you, Katie, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad you were able to join us virtually. So you have quite a wonderful career with many accolades and accomplishments. Thomson Reuters actually named you one of the world's most influential scientific minds, and you have been named one of the top 10 scholars worldwide on innovation. So first off, that's huge. And you have many, many other awards. So can you give us a brief overview of your career and your journey thus far? First of all, thank you. You're kind. And I'm really <laughs> blessed because all these awards as a recognition of not just my efforts by, uh, by my co-authors, and uh, doctoral students, research assistants, and anybody that I've worked with, collaborated with, interacted with, companies that I've worked with, all of them share some of the uh, recognition. And uh, it has been a, a blessing and a blast in a, of a journey for me because uh, once you decide to become a, a academic and researcher and scholar, uh, what happens is you really roll up your sleeves and dive deep into the problems that really excite you and self importance to the society, the companies and once you start diving deeper and deeper uh, it becomes really almost uh, infectious that you have to keep doing this to keep uh, going and I'm like a kid in the candy store <laughs> so the more I get the more I love to do these work and so I've been very fortunate uh, doing this I started out with my PhD at Kellogg Graduate School of Management it was a very valuable journey from there on and I started working on uh, problems that uh, companies face in terms of whether they want to launch a product initially or to wait after some movers have already gone in. This is the classic problem of pioneering a first mover advantage or disadvantage. And I came up with the idea of late mover advantage. And, uh, my idea was to look at uh, the instances, so many instances, only a few companies can be a pioneer in the market, Katie. Most of the brands end up being late entrants. So and many cases, they are successful. They beat the odds, they beat the pioneers. And so I wanted to study them very deeply. And what I found was innovation was a great um, way to beat them, beat the pioneers of their own game. And that's how my journey in innovation started. And um, uh, today I'm very blessed to have worked with uh, over 150 co-authors. <laughs> I couldn't even believe that I've worked with so many of them. But uh, it, it is truly a learning experience for me as I go along. And uh, I was very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. Most of the time when I started, the internet was uh, just opening up. You had Amazon just started. E-commerce was growing. So I ventured into e-commerce as a topic of research. And that was very fascinating to learn more. Then I went into omni-channel today. I do a lot of work on mobile marketing. All of these couldn't have been possible because of that. Today, I'm uh, pivoting towards machine learning, AI, and their role in business and marketing. So uh, really a very happy journey, and it's a continuing journey. That's great. Well, again, we're so happy to have you here. And I just want to talk briefly about a few different things. I know that digital marketing is one of your specialties. And being 2020, the world has gone very virtual this year. So how has the digital marketing landscape evolved in 2020? And what do you think we will see in the coming months once we're going into 2021? Uh, digital marketing has dramatically transformed uh, in the landscape. And so many companies are very, very 
seriously into digital transformation. Many companies were uh, slow to adopt and adapt to the internet and the digital activities. Over the, the COVID has ex accelerated that, you know, it's disrupted a lot of industries. And um, for example, retailing, where I do a lot of work, uh, it has transformed how we shop, right? We now are uh, sitting in the comfort of our homes and clicking all mobile devices and ordering and picking up the orders on uh, in-store sometimes are getting it delivered. All of these were just growing um, incrementally in the last few years, but then the COVID has dramatically shifted that. And not only that from a customer standpoint of view, but the entire end-to-end uh, -end digital activities in the organization has becoming more and more digitized. We've got so many industries that are being reshaped. You know, healthcare is one of them. Now we've got telemedicine that is accelerated and accepted now. Uh, we've got education now. We're doing a lot of online learning. Uh, we have uh, work from home. You know, 250 million people all worldwide have shifted to working from home during this pandemic. And uh, it is going to stay mostly that way till we get a final resolution to the COVID problem. And uh, also people used to the convenience of shopping from home are not going to go back. So looking ahead, uh, the next one year, we we're we going to have the COVID vaccine distribution. Hopefully it's effective and it reaches all the people. Even then people would not shift their buying habits. Now they are used to the comfort and convenience. At the end of the day, convenience is king and it's uh, uh, being borne out in how consumers make their decisions. And uh, with proliferation of all devices digital, this has only accelerated that. So what we are going to see uh, increasingly digital occupying a very dominant portion. Uh, and we know that e-commerce is uh, uh, expected to increase by one third this year alone from previous year. And thanks to the opportunities and challenges offered in multiple channels, now we have consumers can buy, search, uh, using multiple mobile devices, tablets, wearables, smart speakers, and so many opportunities are available for interfacing digitally. And that that is going to really speed up a lot of digital activities. Uh, plus, world over, uh, lots of uh, innovations are happening that is making a lot of activities digitizable. For example, a lot of paper records are being digitized in a last bastion like real estate, banking, they're all slow, fast coming under the digital fold. So you will see tremendous surge in digital, not just marketing, but digital transformation. Right. You mentioned e-commerce and how it has completely shifted and it's going to continue to become even more important. So what do you think this means for the small businesses and brick and mortars? E-commerce is a game changer, as you know. It's been around from 90, mid 90s, but this is when the really tipping point. So uh, as I said before, the COVID has accelerated and we have now used to grocery, which was the last bastion of you know consumer products uh, to fall for e-commerce. Now, almost all the grocery retailers, name the big grocery retailers, Walmart, Target, Kroger, um, Albertson, Safeway, all of them uh, have gotten on to the idea that now we have to be um, very, very uh, sensitive to e-commerce orders. And e-commerce is um, now becoming the default, right? If you don't have e-commerce, then 
you may be out of business, right? So a lot of uh, companies like department stores, clothing, apparel retailers, they have had a very rough time with COVID, having to close down brick and mortar stores. America was overstored uh, in general, but uh, the pace at which the store, brick and mortar store closure was happening was already very high. And e-commerce actually pushed the um, those store closure from the edge of the cliff down. So this year alone, we are expecting, Katie, 25,000 uh, brick and mortar stores to be closed. And uh, last year, there was 9,000. And so the rate at which is going, more and more uh, companies are going omni-channel, more retailers are trying to figure out how do I market through multiple channels, touch points, um, delivery mechanisms, and interact 24 by 7 with the customer, right? Now you're looking at a 360 degree seamless shopping. That's what customer is, you know, wanting, demanding, being used to. And so many of these brick and mortar channels uh, are getting transformed. Look at the malls. The malls are getting completely repurposed, right? You know, the anchor tenants like department stores uh, were, are not going to be viable anymore having occupying those big spaces because people are not going to come and shop in droves as they used to before in the past. So as a result, they are repurposing their spaces. Now they are uh, allowing for micro fulfillment centers in those malls, which means um, that we now won't see a lot of rush to the brick and mortar stores anymore. But don't get me wrong, people will still go and want to touch and feel and, and, and have that experience, social experience once the COVID vaccine is distributed and people can move about more safely, it'll still come back, but may not be to the same extent as we used to see before now, because now people can shop the convenience of electronic and digital anywhere, everywhere, all the time. Right. So no matter what industry or sector anyone is really in, likely almost every single business shared a response to COVID-19. So throughout the past 10 months, in 2020, have you seen any change in crisis management or a plan for crisis management in 2021? Great question. A lot of companies were caught flat-footed because they didn't anticipate COVID, they didn't anticipate it, its ramifications and didn't really even imagine what kind of transformation they have to do. Uh, so there aren't a lot of good, great stories of crisis management to tell, but nevertheless, a lot of companies started putting the uh, health and welfare of their employees first, which is the right thing to do, and making sure the customer's business is protected as much as possible. And that's why digital transformation was very important. But having done that, uh, if you take the example of Amazon, for example, Amazon uh, was already an 800 pound gorilla in uh, consumer uh, marketing, e-commerce, retailing, uh, and plus a whole other uh, host of businesses. But Amazon doubled up on this, right? Because now they are the go-to company and they had to fulfill orders and make sure the employees are safe in warehouses and, um, uh, and in the physical stores that they had presence in. And so one of the things is that they started recruiting people for delivery and other fulfillment activities. Uh, about 100,000 workers were hired anywhere in the last couple of months. And Amazon is now poised to become the second largest employer after Walmart, about 1.2 million people. And they've grown very dramatically in the last year or two. And all this growth has to come with a lot of crisis management, making sure everybody's safe, 
In fact, what I read today was Amazon has had a payout of about $500 million just for the employees for this uh, period because they had to endure all these difficulties. So, you know, there are other, uh, other companies are doing their best, but it's very difficult for the companies to anticipate what is coming. I call this management as VUCA, right? VUCA is a acronym standing for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, right? So this is VUCA and steroids, right? Because if you have a pandemic like this, everything is happening all at once and you just cannot move that so fast, right? Because uh, you have to not only plan, you have to execute, you have to execute cautiously, and you have to keep in mind the post-COVID feature, right? Are you gearing up for that? The tech companies recognize this early on, not only they cashed in on some of the needs, but they also instructed the employees to that they can work out of home and they, they could afford to do that. But the biggest casualty was uh, small businesses, And you mentioned that and small businesses are the backbone of you. American economy. And we have about 31 million small businesses, Katie, that are, are really um, very vital to the economy. And uh, 160,000 of the businesses had to close down due to pandemic. You know, these are restaurants, small owners, small shops, small service organizations. And uh, about half of them or 60% of them may not reopen again because that's how badly they were affected. Of course, the CARES Act did provide some relief. Uh, to some of them. But the way to manage to get out of this crisis, Katie, is to somehow have a long-term plan, which is not only the current plan, the future plan, that's what crisis management is all about, and have a playbook by which you can execute, slowly learn, and then be very agile and nimble and respond very quickly. And that is the key to success in this VUCA, mega VUCA environment. Well, I happen to know that you're writing a book on AI in business. So right. can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, it is a long uh, journey again. Writing a book uh, takes a long time in any case, but AI and um, machine learning, which are transforming our lives, are happening too quickly and too many changes are happening. So um, one of the challenges for me is to write a book that gives a sufficient overview of what is happening and what's likely to happen and how to prepare for those challenges, particularly for firms uh, in all spheres and uh, sectors. But, you know, the preview of what I'm looking at is how AI is reshaping all our thinking, writing from, starting from how consumers think, how consumers shop, how consumers interact, how consumers do their shopping, how, how firms can respond to that, how it is affecting the supply chain, how it is impacting human resource management, what will be the future looking like, right? And even as we speak, there's tremendous developments that are happening. For example, today, we just learned that AI has solved a 50-year-old um, computer science problems relating to medicine, and that is the protein folding. Uh, DeepMind, which is a unit of Google, has managed to come up with an algorithm that can predict prote protein folding um, in a matter of days, uh, which used to take years. And that is a precursor for us getting better healthcare, better treatment, better drugs, and so on. So that's just in the healthcare space alone. But if you think about AI's impact in other spheres, you know, even today, as I was putting together some chapters in the book, I just heard that Facebook is acquiring a company called Customer, which actually uh, specializes in uh, chatbots and in customer interactions electronically. We're looking at a, a society where 
uh, AI is going to make a tremendous difference in life that we are having. You know, uh, if you look at different industries, transportation or industry won't be the same as before. We'll have self-driving cars, um, which may become a ubiquity by 2030. By 2031, half of retail uh, jobs may be redefined. And trucking industry, that will also be redefined. You know, uh, healthcare I talked about, learning, banking, all of these will be tremendously impacted by AI. And so as I'm writing this, I'm trying to give you give a realistic picture, but at the same time also give some guidelines as to how firms can approach it and plan for it and uh, be successful. Uh, I also want to strip away all the hypes because there's a lot of hype about, you know, uh, artificial general intelligence. People are worried about whether AI will uh, surpass or supplant human beings without really getting into the hypes, go get into the realities and then offer a book which will be useful for all readers, uh, corporations, executives, students, uh, general consumers, public policy officials, all of them should find it very useful. So, but thanks for asking me about it. Of course, I would love to read it once it's out. So you had the opportunity to join us at our virtual transformational CMO assembly a few weeks ago, and you moderated a session on digital marketing and retail innovation. Do you think there's a silver lining for marketers and retailers that they can take away from this year? Thank you, first of all, for the opportunity to moderate. It was a fascinating discussion because we had some very uh, exciting participants who had first-hand knowledge of uh, what they are going through right now. And this is unprecedented because during this time, Katie, uh, it's people ha have real experiences and they can share that. And um, one of the uh, pivot that we are seeing, as we saw, is a digital transformation in retailing and the marketing um, tremendously. So we are going to be marketing enable, uh, digital enabled, digital assisted, digital disruptive. And uh, the silver lining for all the companies in marketing is that now they can really anticipate customer needs better and cater to them in multitude of ways. And digital technology and digital uh, innovations are there to help them along the way. But that also means that they have to be very quick uh, and very focused. The winners in this transformed phase will be those who are forward-looking, who are prescient, and also who are willing to make changes. You know, a lot of companies have those, we talked about brick and mortar earlier on, lots of companies have legacies and baggages. So now we have to pivot. This is a great opportunity to make reinvest in technology, learn the digital and ride with the digital. And I think there, there are tremendous opportunities for the first initial set of companies that will make those moves. And I think the silver lining is there because not only will you uh, cater to all kinds of customer needs, but also uh, reduce costs, which is another very important for the business model of many of these companies. So there, these opportunities will not last a lot long because most companies will start to really grab them. And once you grab and be successful, then you can ride on that and become better and better over a period of time. So I really do see this as an opportunity rather than a challenge. And, but firms will have to culturally embrace. So they have to redefine their purpose and make this worthwhile for all their employees to be in this newer new journey that they will be having to embark on. So I just have one final question for you. And now that you have attended one of our virtual assemblies, why do you think executive education is important? And what did you take away from our assembly? 
Yeah, executive education is more important than ever. Right now, the COVID-19 has exposed us to the fact that, you know, we have to be lifelong learners. We already knew that lifelong learning is important, but right now the tremendous wealth of knowledge that we have to gain moving forward is uh, very, very high. And uh, a forum like the Millennium Alliances uh, Summit, our conference, really helps bring right minds together at the right time, learn from the uh, experiences, the wisdom, and uh, the, uh, the vision of a lot of leaders all at once and share those and continuously build on that. So executive education is all about, you know, executives keeping their minds sharp and continuously improving that. And these kind of forums really offer the opportunity, unique opportunities. For example, during this, um, when people shared how they um, navigated the fact that store closures, how did they manage that? And that was very valuable for other retailers to understand what, what worked, what didn't work, and how did they make the transfer? What are the new normals, right? Uh, those are the kind of things that we cannot do um, if you don't continuously learn through executive education online. And this has really given us impetus to everybody to be very, very high on not only being open to this, such learning, but also uh, having more opportunities to avail of and use that opportunities to make improvements. And so I think opportunities like this will be coming more and more and it, we executives should be looking upon this as a very valuable tools for them to upgrade themselves. Well, great. And we hope that you'll be able to join us at one of our future, future assemblies, whether it's virtual or in person. But thank you so much for chatting with me today, Vanky. And it was great having you here and at our assembly. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Katie. It was my pleasure. And thank you for interviewing me. And I'm looking forward to more interactions with you. We are as well. It was nice talking to you. Thank you, Katie.